0: Hi, I'm Shana Gadarian from Syracuse University. I'm here with
1: Seth Maskett from the University of Denver. Um, we wanted to talk about the topic of essentially people voting or being against their own interests. And it's a, it's a tricky conversation, for a tricky topic. Um, Shana, could you really explain, we both agree we have some problems with that framing. Um, what is your take on that concept?
0: Sure. So I've been studying COVID policy in the last year and find that with co-authors that some people do things that in some ways seem kind of um, surprising, right? They're less likely to wash their hands or take a vaccine. And these are all things that kind of health experts tell us are in people's self-interest to stay well and healthy and protect those around them. And I think we can frame that as being people kind of and one of the big drivers of that is their political identities. Republicans are less likely than Democrats to um, uh, to do all those things, and and so I do think the question is, you know, why people do things that may not be in their their interests in health or other reasons and i think it's worth noting that people have lots of values right they have values of freedom they have values of community and and sometimes they they weight some of those values more than others so do you want to talk a little bit about other policies where we might see that
1: yeah sure um you know it's it's interesting i was recently teaching my political parties class i was using um lily mason's wonderful book on civil agreement and when she talks about lots of different social science examples where people will essentially choose worse outcomes for themselves if they think that will also hurt uh, their political opponents. And there, I, I can imagine there may be some of that going on, but there also may be something specific to, to party identity, Democratic and Republican parties, um, where Republicans are, are choosing some sort of conception of, of freedom, of individual liberty, uh, sort of over over health, um, you know, over over economic uh, progress. You know, I was thinking for you know this that this is not necessarily just about today. Uh, you know, roughly a decade ago, as part of the Affordable Care Act, a lot of states you know, states were offered essentially Medicaid expansion for free, um, and quite a few states, led by Republican governors, simply opted out. Of it. You know, they they refused what was you know many years of free money and free healthcare expansion. Um, simply because they were opposed to Barack Obama, and I believe, as, as uh, you know, that there's some studies showing that this actually hurt. People. You know, this actually hurt people in their district.
0: Yeah, so I think one of the things that we can think about together is whether or not governors who do things like turn down Medicare expand and Medicaid expansion. And in the kind of more recent example, um, who are opting out of continued unemployment benefits that are coming from the federal government, whether or not in valuing some sorts of things like individual freedom and um, getting people back, forcing people essentially back into the labor force, whether or not those kinds of governors will pay any sort of political price for that, right? So you're taking, you're not expanding Medicaid, you're taking unemployment. This is not necessarily in the for the benefit of the people who are in your state. And the question is what kind of accountability do we see in those places, right? If people themselves are willing to sometimes um, act against their own self-interest, do we think they also, um, will hold the kind of political leadership accountable if they are if the policies are um, are such that they are not necessarily in the kind of even economic or health interests of the people in their states. I don't know if you've seen any evidence of whether or not governors paid any price. Um, for like lack, the lack of expansion of Medicaid.
1: Right, I would I would have a hard time identifying like any any governor who paid a price for doing that. Um, you know, I mean, I think re- Republican control of, of governor's offices has just grown over the last decade. I don't know that any of, you know, particularly lost because of that. You know, similarly, there was a case in Wisconsin. Uh, I know that, you know, Governor Paul Walker was essentially offered a ton of federal transportation spending that he simply turned down. Um, And, you know, it was was that and Medicaid expansion and others are just situations where people in the states would have benefited, you know, particularly a lot of poorer people would have benefited from jobs, from from access to health care. But those people don't, first of all, they're not necessarily aware that you know, their lives might have been materially better had the governor or had the state legislature made other decisions um, that, you know, they don't necessarily know how their life would have been had some things been different. And secondly, even if they're aware of that, they didn't, they wouldn't necessarily connect that to politics and voting. They wouldn't necessarily, you know, know to to punish a governor or, go- or punish a political party for it. But again, it's, you know, it's, it is hard to, you know, find evidence where people have actually, you know, where, where elected officials have actually paid a price for this.
0: Right. And I I think this is one of the places where kind of a lack of local media really does hurt communities because what you what you'd want there is some journalists and other kind of policymakers making very clear for people what the choices were at some point and how their lives could be made better by different political choices. And this kind of death of local media has has hurt that kind of accountability, I think.